many of you know that Kahala Johnson is a PhD candidate in the political science department with a focus in indigenous politics oh, at the University of Hawaii at Manoa with the concentration in indigenous politics and their research and interest expands beyond that into future studies, political theory, queer theory. Kahala's academic work is concerned with native relational governances beyond the nation state outside of capitalism and beyond juridical, jurid, juridical constructs. Currently, this is from the Indigenous Politics website. Currently, Kahala is working on decolonizing image nations through the genres of horror, fantasy, and speculative fiction and you'll see the wonderful images today as well, as well as doing the work of examining and querying aesthetic performance as a fecund ground of Anakar indigenous governmentality modules. So that's a lot, but I think many of you here already know that Kahala is a fierce kia'i and thinker, and we all have much to gain from today's presentation. I'm so excited again to welcome them and the work they will share with us today. So please join me in welcoming Kahala Johnson. Aloha my kaku. Um, I just wanted to start off by thanking the folks at the Studies Department for the opportunity to speak today. And I especially want to mahalo um, Kumulani Tevis for organizing the colloquium, um, to Dr. Pulani, Dr. Um, Heoli, Dr. Kim for um, helping us through this very difficult time, have something to look forward to, um, some awesome feminism from abroad, perspective. Um, to be honest, I'm both aroused and terrified by the by the prospect of presenting a knotted evaluation of monarchia and patriarchal violence through kink theory and aftercare culture, uh, particularly, particularly with people who can determine my professional destiny. Um, for those who aren't familiar, kink theory uses BDSM culture to study the violence, pain, pleasure and power dynamics as they circulate from our bodies, bedrooms, ballots, bill of rights, and back again. Um, aftercare culture is the communication, physical, emotional, and spiritual care that usually occurs between subs and doms after a scene is performed. Um, and, over, and it's done over time to prevent trauma and apathy from setting into the... In hindsight, maybe I should have gone with more vanilla methodologies. Um, nevertheless, our national house mother, Hanani K. Tras, has told us in her book, Errolson Power, the experience of colonialism and patriarchy is one of bondage. And though I'm pretty sure she meant the Fanon and Said kind of bondage, um, not the version that popped in my head. Um, nonetheless, I do want to interpret her um, statement and in, in this type of framework. In any case, I officially consent to um, <laughs> to this presentation um, to strap me in, strap her on, and let's analyze and decolonize our life. Oh, Papa Kamona, Kea, Eola, Ika Haleoma, Oh, Haumia Kaya, Papa, Hulihia Kekapuala, Haumia Kaya, Papa, Hulihia Kekapuala, Haumia Kapea, Papa, Hulihia Kekapuala, Haumia Kaahua, Papa, Hulihia Kekapuala, Haumia Keopua, Papa, Hulihia Kekapuala, Haumia Kapaya, Papa, Hulihia Kekapuala, Wala, 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 so for those who are um, just 
popping in and are confused a little by the aesthetics. Um, these are some, just to give a, a, a very brief um, overview of the approach that I'm taking, um, I'll be using King Theory, um, Aftercare Culture, um, Decolonial Feminism in order to talk about uh, Mauna Kea and the aftercare of patriarchal violence. Um, for my presentation, the aesthetics come from anarcho-indigenous punk um, and there's a lot of I'm also here as, and I am presenting, of course, as a um, graduate certificate um, um, applicant in the Women's Studies Department, but I'm also here to um, represent the Aha Kia Aloha. And um, with me today are um, my very, my partner and sister, Noilani Ahia and Mahealani Ahia, um, both of whom I am carrying with me today um, as I speak about this very um, passionate and somewhat traumatic um, experience that we had. We are protectors of Mauna Kea and Haleakala. Our pronouns are mako, kako, we inclusive, we exclusive. For over 10 months, we lived at Puuhonua or Puuhuluhulu, the sanctuary established at the base of Mauna Kea last year to defend our mountain from desecration by the 30 meter telescope. As builders of the Puuhonua, we each contributed to creating an aspect of activist care culture in camp. Mahealania and I worked with other kia'i, including Kalanio Poikin, Maria Lohalani Brown, um, to create the Hale Wahine and Hale Mahu. Um, Kalanio Poa and Dr. Dr. Kalanio Poa and Dr. Maria Lohalani Brown gave us additional pop-up tents um, from established the Hale Wahine and Hale Mahu. Um, we also wanted to thank Mahea Noi, Presley, Pomaika'i Gishkin, Helena Kapuni Reynolds, Michelangelo, um, for helping us to build um, and, re and rebuild the tents and offered supplies of the Haliwahine and Halimahu. We also want to thank Leohu, writer and Nadine Iao from Aloha in Action, who funded our large tents. Um, Kuole Hanohano and Tony Matsura um, for creating and donating um, beautiful signs for the Hale and Punahele and Leilani Kwati, um, who donated the generator supplies for us. It's so awesome. They, they, they held a concert and um, donated the funds. And then we also want to thank um, Hannah Preston, who donated art supplies, which, which we could create these wonderful, sexy um, art within the, within the Hale. Um, and also Eddie Fuentes, who provided us with solar lights um, so that we could have Kiki on the mall um, at night. Um, we created the Hale Wahine and Hale Mahu at Puhululu University, founded by Ilima Long and Presley, um, and which protected us um, from a lot of the criticisms that we had. Um, about having Hale Wahine and Hale Mahu during the Mauna Kea movement. Um, they provided the space for us to do our, our, our education um, and to have a space um, for Wahine and Mahu on the Mauna. Um, spaces to empower Wahine and Mahu uh, through sex education, uh, kinky celebrations, and non-apologetic defiance against cisero patriarchy in the camp. Um, my sister Noelania Hia is a leader for the Monomedics. She and Kalama Niheo were charged with caring for the physical, emotional, and spiritual healing of Kia'i and our allies, a work that she extends as a protector of Ivi and Aina at Kakanilua and Kawaula on Maui, who have been fighting in the past month, and well, 20 years, but really in the past few months, um, have been fighting on Maui for the protection of Ivi and Aina. Uh, Noelani, Mahealani, and I are also Hina Kia'i Mauna, of Haleakala, who stood against the construction of the Daniel K. Inouye Telescope, a brutal standoff that deeply influenced the politics of care and aftercare we brought to our residents at Puuhonua or Puuhuluhulu. Today we speak as founding members of the Aha Kia'i 
an organization responsible for the care and after of patriarchal, gendered, and sexual violence in camp. We braided the AHA to cast aside dangerous assumptions that issues of patriarchy, gender, and sexuality are peripheral to the decolonization of our people and the deoccupation of our land, particularly in direct action situations like that on Mauna Kea. We birthed the AHA to collectively practice and prefigure modes of governance and activism where Hawaiian queer trans feminisms were at the peak of our empowerment and the summit of our struggle. As an organization, we want nothing less than the end of cis-heteropatriarchy and our stand to protect monarchy on all our lands. We desire nothing less than the pleasurable, consensual, resurgent spaces for our people, founded on care and kuleana. Today, we promise to provide insights into how we can better pursue these ambitions as a Lahui to promote decolonized, detoxified feminist futures in our collective journey toward liberation and the aftercare of patriarchal violence. Now, admittedly, our perspective of the Puuhonua and Mauna Kea will depart from popular depictions of the movement due to the painful and traumatic and unsettling nature of our kuleana, a responsibility that placed us between the violence of the occupying state and the violence of Hale and Hawaiian patriarchy as it erupted in camp. For in addition to the dangers posed by TMT construction, military invasion, and police brutality that we experience daily as Kiai, our organization also faced cases of sexual harassment, stalking, abuse, violence, cyberbullying, sex bans, overdose, suicide attempts, agitators, infiltrators, pedophilia, anti-LGBTQI sentiments, misogyny, and trafficking. Due to the style of security culture adopted by the Pu'uhonua, the details of these cases stay within our bodies and on all, shared only with our own to keep our camp safe. Paradoxically, though, under that same security culture, the stress, anxiety, and pressure to bind and contain these incidents as an aha has often caused us to feel insecure. Our stories sound unbelievable and our perceptions to seem incorrect due to the contrast between our personal experience of the camp and the celebratory narrative of the Monokia movement at large. In all honesty, we were and are traumatized by the gendered and sexual violence we face living between Hale and Hawaiian patriarchy. We were traumatized in a Pu'uhonua, a space where we should have been protected and healed. And it is this trauma that motivates us to speak today about the need for a culture of care and aftercare in Hawaiian direct action and organizing. Consequently, over the past few months, we have come to reflect on our experiences as an aha from a space within this trauma, a space we consider apu honua created at the intimate intersections between mana wahine, mana mahu, and mana kane. From this space, we seek to block the advance of Haole and Hawaiian patriarchy in our struggle and to practice preventative care as decolonial love. From this space, we will demonstrate how we confronted the persistence of cis-heteropatriarchy, non-consensual sovereignty, and toxic nationalism in our stand to protect Mauna Kea. As an aha, we offer our story as a means for Hawaiians and other Black Indigenous people of color to envision future direct action resurgences in ways that seek the emergent spaces beneath the hypermasculine ideologies of military warcraft, the invasive trauma of settler statecraft, and the gaslighting surveillance of what we call insecurity culture. In these spaces, we turn instead to gender balancing approaches that feel and stay with the problematic pains and pleasures of decolonization, that explore the kinks of consensus, that undo the knots of fraying patriarchal narratives and that tend to the trauma we all experience as a Lahui. We will begin now by describing how we use the story of Wake and the Aikapu as a framework to confront Hawaiian Hawaiian patriarchy at Mauna Kea, 
Afterwards, we will demonstrate how that framework became protocol and practice centering Manawahine care culture and consensual sovereignty as prefigurative practices for decolonized, detoxified, resurged direct action organizing. And we'll end by restoring the Mo'olalo of Haloa as a guide from Mahu and Kane to keep a kuleana that ends cis patriarchy in our movements. Remembering the Mo'o, restoring the pico of our mama. Stories are powerful. They motivate us to resurge against pipelines and telescopes to end cultures of rape and brutality. Stories are pleasurable. They provide us with meaning and passion, braiding us together in our differences as we strive for consented desires, for abolition, for protection, for liberation. And stories are also painful. They are carriers of ancestral, generational, and embryonic trauma, reincarnating again and again with each retelling. Stories can be terrified for us to know them, fearful of what we might discover, not knowing our capacity for love. One of the first actions we took in forming the Ahakiat Aloha was to remember the Mo, the stories and genealogies of the Mo. One way we accomplished this was through the symbol of our organization, which was an inverted triangle with a Mo submerged in the center, representing the Kili Vai of Wayao, the water protector Mu'i Namia, who guards the Vai of the lake at the summit of Mauna Kea and all the people deposited within it. The triangle also represented the Malu of the Mauna, the inverted shadow of the mountain containing her mana. And it was a space nestled beneath that powerful darkness, the space of the Pu'uhonua at Pu'uhuluhulu, where we operated. The two upper points of the triangle represented the Wahine and Mahu at the front lines of the Aha, and the latter point were the mini Kane who supported us. The symbol of the Aha provided us with a visual reminder of our responsibility as Wahine, Mahu, and Kane to stay hidden and watching to emerge when necessary to protect the people of our Lahui from the violence of patriarchy. The Mo'olelo of Akian, the Aikapu, describes both the origins of a new spiritual and political governance system in our islands and the genealogical means by which Kanakamali connect to each other and the, and the land. The Mo'olelo of Wakian, the Aikapu, is an origin story. It is one of the stories that we remembered as an aha, as aha aloha. Um, as the story is typically told, Wakia is one of our ancestral sky fathers. Papa is one of our ancestral earth mothers. Papa in her capacity as an Akua gives birth to a majority of the islands by Wakia. They eventually have a daughter together named Ho'ohoku Kalani. At some point, Wakia begins to sexually desire his daughter, but is afraid to tell Papa these thoughts. Instead, he turns to his kahuna, Komoava, seeking advice as to how he should pursue Ho'ohoku Kalani without Papa knowing. In answer to Wakia's request, Komoava devises the Aikapu, a system of governance where Kane and Wahine would eat separately, worship and sleep separately on different lunar nights, and follow certain other permissions and restrictions with harsh punishments for breaking the rules. Komoava presents the Aikapu to Wakia as a way for him to sleep with his daughter, Ho'ohoku Kalani, without her mother knowing. He advises Wakea that on the nights where Kane and Wahine sleep separately from each other, Wakea would be able to seek, secretly sleep with Ho'ohoku Kalani without Papa's knowledge. Wakea adopts Komoava's plan and introduces the Aikapu to Papa, who agrees to the terms not knowing Wakea's true intentions to deceive her. Wakea sleeps with Ho'ohoku Kalani, Papa eventually finds out and leaves him, furious at his deception. We're then told that Papa and Wakea eventually reconcile, and that Ho'ohoku Kalani becomes pregnant, giving birth to a stillborn child named Haloa Nakalao Kapalili, um, who is buried near the home. And 
from that burial mound um, emerges a kala plant. Later, Kalani becomes pregnant again and gives birth to another child also named Halua. From the second child comes the ancestry of Kanaka Maui, who continued to carry the name of the firstborn, of the firstborn Halua, Kanaka. As a reminder of our genealogical relation to the chief, the Kalo, the ancestors, and the land. It is this kinship and story that is continuously invoked by Kia'i as we maintain our stance to protect Mauna Kea from desecration. As an aha, the troubling issues of gender sexuality, deception, and non consent in the story of Wakia and the Aikapu were problematic to our um, They presented a challenge to how we understood our Kuliana to protect the Pico of Kia'i in camp. The Halewahin and Halemahu, we debated the Mo'olelo Waki and the Aikapu, and we brought our concerns with us to the Ahakia'i Aloha. In our discussions, we noticed how our Lahui have a tendency to focus on atoning for the ancestral elements of the story, apologizing to anthropologists or historians and other intellectuals for Waki's behavior as culturally acceptable according to social practices of the time. And that's true. We have people and new people relationships that at that time were quite acceptable. Um, however, we, tended, we tend to forget as a Lahui his deception, Lakia's deception, Papa's refusal of his actions, and the problem of the Aikapu being established on the foundation of non-consent. We move too quickly to a framework of forget, forgive, avoid, rather than a framework of care, kuleana, and accountability. In the Hales, we discussed how we felt uneasy critiquing Lakia and Koma'ava's ranks as father, chief, priest, Patriarch and hierarch. For those who don't know the Latin, patriarch, father, rule of the father, hierarch, rule of the priest. <laughs> um, we felt unsettled about the implications of two Kane collaborating to deceive and control Wahine. In the chants, um, it's literally stated, Ho'opuni ia o papa e wakia. Papa was not just deceived, Ho'opuni also means to control. Yeah. Um, papa was deceived and controlled by wakia. Um, in the Hales, we talked about how we might have to rethink the recovery of Aikapu-based gender roles as we decolonize our identities as Hawaiians. We had to think about how we might have to re reconsider the erection of the Aikapu by Wakia and Kumu'ava as an institution of Hawaiian patriarchy that our people were socialized under for hundreds of years. As an aha, we began to wonder too about the practice of Kapu Aloha as a commitment to ethical truth-telling. Could we maintain a celebration of Wakia knowing the problematic elements of its story? Was Aloha to be expressed as forgiveness for Wakia's actions, including his, decep his deception of Papa and the creation of the Aikapu? Or was Aloha recognizing the painful parts of the story as a lesson on accountability? Moreover, we asked, how could we care for Papa Hanamoku and Hohoku Kalani in this story, where they seem their relationship, the relationship between mother and mother, mother and daughter, is placed on the side? Indeed, as we discussed the Mo'olelo more and more, we began, we began to experience a queer disidentification with the ritualized and mediated celebration of Wakia and his relationship to the Mauna. We began to unapologetically speak of Wakia and Aikapu as a gender imbalanced institution, Hawaiian patriarchy, hierarchy, and non-consent. We also began to deepen our understanding of Haole patriarchy, the violence of the white and Asian settler states, the collaboration of Hawaiians with the police and military violence continuum or pain compliance continuum, and the failure of colonial astronomy and TNT to respect our refusal and dissent. We came to realize that our situation as an aha was lashed between the structures of Hawaiian and Haole patriarchy, a place in the middle to protect Papa Hanaumoku and Hohoku Kalani, Earth Mother and Sky Mother, a place where we could protect their descendants from gendered and sexual violence, settler or native in origin. As we interrogated the troubling elements of Waki and the Aikapu, 
We decided that we could not sustain the integrity of our kuleana as an aha while continuing to empower Wakia. Instead, we began to remember the mo'o in ways that recover the manawahine of papa and ho'ohoku kalani while empowering our efforts as an aha to protect both the mauna and the kiai. As we remember the mo'o, as we started placing papahana moku and ho'ohoku kalani at the pico of the story, we began to rewrite and rewrite their roles as akuahine, as earth and sky mothers, going so far as to restory their story in speculative ways, focusing on the care and aftercare of their relationship. For example, we retold the mo'olalo so that it was papahana moku rather than wakea who desired ho'ohoku kalani. And folks were upset. It's odd, folks are kind of fine with the pi'o and nyo pi'o parts of the story, but when it comes to mother-daughter, aikane, aihine relationships, there was this really strong, why are you doing this? So, um, you know, we told it anyway. <laughs> we also told different stories. Um, different stories where Papa communicates with Wakian Ho'ohoku Kalani about her desires and seeks their consent to this relationship. Different stories where yes, no, not sure, are options to all parties involved. A different story where the Aikapu was created by Papa and Ho'ohoku Kalani without deception. A different story where the Aikapu was simply unnecessary. A different story where the loss of Halo and Nakalau Kapalili is dwelt with in a supportive and caring manner. A different story we could tell ourselves as we protected the Mauna, the place where Earth Mother and Sky Mother embrace. The remembered and restored Mo'olalo of Papahana Moku and Ho'ohoku Kalani of Earth Mother and Sky Mother became a living framework for the Aha as we coordinated our kuleana to care for Kia'iata Pu'uhunua. The imbalanced gender relations that affected our ancestors in the Mo'olalo became kuleana for us, their descendants, to address through Manawahine's story changing and story making today. Our efforts shifted the practice of Kapu'aloha for us as an Aha to explicitly focus on preventing gender, sexual, and patriarchal violence while caring and after caring for those traumatized by that abuse. The story of Papahana Moku and Ho'ohoku Kalani would become the place-based, movement-based, mo'o-based influence for how the aha would be organized according to gender balancing approaches that sought to restore pono or justice from the mo'olelo of Papa and Ho'ohoku Kalani to our mo'olelo as kia'i of Mauna Kea. In particular, the lack of consent in the story would come to shape our entire approach to sovereignty decolonization, deoccupation, and the toxic statism that affects and influence, influences Hawaiian nationalism today. As we talked about how to restore and restore Ipono, we noticed two main problems with the Mo'olala Wakia and the Aikapu that were important to us as an Aha. First, that the Aikapu was a governing deception conceived by Kani in the absence of Wahine. Second, that the role of Mahu is largely invisible in the story, despite our identity as Mahu being tied to the gender roles constructed and socialized by the Aikapu. To remedy these problems, we placed Wahine and Mahu members of our AHA in charge of creating our governing structures and protocols, providing ways that Kane could be given kuleana to help us confront, viol confront violence in camp. Our protocols also centered the mana, ea, ola, and decision-making power of the persons affected by the violence or abuse that they experienced in camp, the vast majority of whom were, unfortunately, Wahine and Mahu. We centered their pico, the embodied sites of their connection to Lahui and land. We centered their consent as an organization, shifting our actions according to what they needed. 
And through collaboration with the Monomedics, we provided physical, emotional, communicative, and spiritual penna of care and counseling, as well as resources both on and off the Mauna for them to access. Most importantly, we provided our na'al to hold their stories, to cry and rage with them, to provide a pu'uhunua for them between Haole and Hawaiian patriarchy, and to keep our kuleana as kia'i to protect their people and their aloha. As an aha, we asked what this protocol might mean for our liberation at large. We came to understand that our care for the mana, ea and ola of wahine and mahu and the mona, our recognition of their decision-making was indigenous feminist governments in action. By placing wahine and mahu hurt by the gender and sexual violence at the pico of decision-making, we were decolonizing in process. We did not have to wait to be recognized. We did not have to wait for the end of the occupation. We did not have to reconcile with our oppressor or our abuser. We took the complicated pain, pleasure, and intimacy of our situation and made mana and ea out of it, just like we made a future nation within the Pu'ohonua. And this is why we view our approach to the mana movement as an aha in terms of aftercare. As we care for Papa and Ho'ohoku Kalani in our story-making and story-changing role plays, as we care for and try to heal the consequences of Wakia and the Aikapu, as we took up the kuleana to care for those in the Pu'uhonua who faced Hale and Hawaiian patriarchy, we were healing the trauma of the entire Mo'olelo continuum. And as we did so, we were prefiguring what decolonization and deoccupation should feel like. Um, and that was a really important point for us was making those connections, connecting the Mo'o together in a continuum, in a circle, like the vice cycle. Um, because what it did was it showed us in our trauma and in trying to make sense of all the pieces of our various violences and abuses that we face, our ancestors would care for us through the story. And as we cared for them, they cared for us. And that wa ma mua wa ma hope, that was, that was our, our, the temporality of our aftercare. We cared for the story in the past and the elements of Papahana Mokun Kalani today as we challenged the TNT and their story would come and nourish and take care of us and our na'al. Um, and that is a mo'o, that is absolutely a mo'o. And as I'm saying that as a color person, <laughs> so mana mo'o, you know, empowerment to, to the alaya of the clan, so mahalo. Um, these are the lessons we learned on the mana that are hyper relevant to the deoccupation of the kingdom. <laughs> and I'm gonna kind of talk about deoccupation right now. We need to care for and center the mana, ea and ola of those most affected by colonization and occupation in our lahui. This is what we learned. This is what was very apparent. The Pico of Wahine and Mahu are those who are most affected by colonization and occupation in our Lahore. That's not to say that Kane don't experience that as well. Um, I've had, I'm not gonna get to that portion after, but, but really when we look statistically at the cases, 99% was Wahine and Mahu um, who are affected. And we, that's gotta change, that's gotta end. Yeah, um, and it ends with us. We also need to understand that like the Aikapu, we as a nation could have never and could never consent to Euro-American Euro settler ideas and structures of sovereignty and their premises, which are based on capitalist property ownership, monogamous territorial aggression, bio-necropolitical control of our people, and laws that constitute white, white male supremacy within the state and interstate forms. That entire apparatus is a non-consensual sovereignty and it is violent. As, but as an AHA, we offer something more. We offer a consensual sovereignty that recognizes the decisional primacy 
of Wahine and Mahu while refusing settler patriarchal structures in our movements. We refuse to wait for the American military to leave to address the violence of patriarchy in our nation. We refuse to character characterize that violence as an auxiliary side issue to deoccupying the kingdom. And we will call out those who assert otherwise, period. And yes, that means you, Dr. Uncle Kiamusai. Stop avoiding my Hawaiian feminist texts, okay? That also goes the same for anti-Blackness, white supremacy, Hawaiian fascism, Mahu hate within our Lahui. It's gonna end, we're gonna end it. We've ended it. The kulian of our aha is proof, not only that it can be done, but that it has already been done. And because of that, we have no excuse. And because of that, there's actually a pleasure in, in getting involved in, this, in, in these kinds of kuleana and this accountability. The last thing I wanted to talk about today um, is about the kikuleana o kikane, um, the responsibility of kane, um, and their role in detoxifying and ending patriarchy for a nation. Um, again, going back to stories, um, although, although we took up the mo'olelo of wakea um, and the aikapu, and saw it and saw these really like poor Kane to Kane relationships. Yeah. Komo Aba could have been like, you know, if Wakia, we, we talk about this all the time in the hotlines. If Wakia came to him, was like, you know, hey, dude, like, uh, bro, like, I, I have this desire and I don't know what to do. Uh, what should we do about this? You know, Komo Aba could have been a really, you know, good Kahuna and be like, hey, uh, why don't you talk about that with your partner, you know, <laughs> or your partners? Like, uh, but, but there was something in it for, for Komo Aba. Yeah, that was also his rank and his class, right, uh, as a kona. There's something in there for, for, um, for him in terms of the icon. Um, but despite that, what I would say, very poor exchange between Kane, there's actually also a really great exchange um, between Kane and Mahu within the story of uh, Papa and Wakia. So when we talk about the second half, uh, part two, which has to do with Haloa, um, we talked about how when we look at the, the relationship between Haloa and Haloa one, the, the plant, Haloa two, the kanaka, the person, um, and we talk about the relationship as one of an older sibling and a younger sibling, kaikoa ana kaikaina, and you know both are supposed to care for each other in different ways. Well, one of the things that we did—that's not new. That's something that I, I really um, admire and appreciate about this story. There's a gen, there's a type of balancing that happens in there. What we did as an aha was to push that a little bit further. Um, when we looked at the body, the embodiment of the kalo, yeah, and the transition of Haloa um, from a stillborn child to the akua of a kalo plant, yeah, and and the rank of that plant um, from that PO relationship, the neo PO PO relationships. Um, what we're looking at really is the body of the Kalo. Kalo, oftentimes people think is like, like a he and a, a Kane. <laughs> and certainly I'm, I'm sure that Kalo can take on those attributes, but actually the biology of, the, <laughs> of Kalo is actually Kane Wahine. There's Kane Wahine parts like mixed. And, and you know, Kalo Nakanelua, my Olohe actually talked about this when I was in the Halemua with him, um, um, how Kalo gives birth, yeah? The Oha that's created. The, the corns that bud from the kalo. Um, that's those are babies, those are clones. Um, um, and that's created because kalo has mahu attributes. And we we're claiming that. Okay, so to kind of like speed it up, we're claiming kalo um for the Mahu Nation. Uh, it's our Mahu agenda. And you know, like deal with it. You want to challenge biology and the body of Kalo? Okay, fine. Um, and we're, we can share, you know, blame and Kalo, absolutely. We can totally share, but but we, we want to make a claim here. And so we started making that claim. We started to look at Kalo in that way. And then we started to think about, wow, like 
There's a relationship between Kalo, claimed as a Mahu, and as Halua, and Halua as a Kanaka, well, Akane. And their relationship in Kalo culture has really sustains us, sustained and sustains us as a people. Um, and that's beautiful. There, there is a gender balancing there, a, a pono there that we haven't explored, we haven't explored before. And when we start to look at it more and we start to think about like the kinds of um, things that toxic, toxic nationalism and patriarchy does, which affects the relationship between Mahu and Kane in really significant ways. Um, we saw this story as a way for Kane and Mahu to take up a dual kuleana in honoring the mother, Sky Mother, Earth Mother, Hohoku Kalani and Papahana Moku, and to honor them by finding ways in which to restore and restore a balance and poem. On the Mauna, what that translated to is in our, our, um, our AHA, we had so many beautiful, wonderful Kane who took the time to really hear and listen and, and sit in on these debates and, and, and these discussions. And they got it. They got it. And they were there on the, on, on, on the front lines or behind on the back lines, supporting the Mahu and, and Wahine who were going through so much trauma with dealing with, with the issues that we face in AHA. And it was beautiful. It was decolonial. <laughs> it was detoxifying. We also had the opportunity um, to work with Taiko Vikatengen, Dr. Taiko Vikatengen, Olohe um, Tengen, who came up to the Mauna um, to have a talk with the Kane there because these issues were, were becoming more frequent as the crowds are coming in and have a talk with the Kane. And it was one of the most, it reminded me of the Halimua days when we would be able to sit and talk about the pain. But we did so with Kanye and, and, and Mahu there, recognizing each other and recognizing a joint and shared Kuleana to stop these things from happening. Um, and from that experience and from that beautiful experience on the Mona, it made me confident that we can take that Kuleana, that Kanye can pick up that Kuleana and take that and run with it. Um, we, needed, we need to address things like how the police, the military and police pain, violence continuum conscripts Kane. But we need Kane to be holding those Kane accountable. And us Mahu who are here, we are, I'm here. You wanna talk about that. You wanna have those difficult conversations. We're here because we did this, we did it. And we can do it and we have to do it because it can't, because when we come to things like Black Lives Matter, when we come to the kinds of ways in which Kapolaho is twisted to make the legitimate, beautiful, powerful rage of the Black Lahui, of our Hawaiian Black Lahui, fighting against police brutality, fighting against the pick, fighting against the inhumanization that was happening, it happens. We cannot twist Aloha in ways that make us complicit with white supremacist patriarchal society, settler societies. We cannot, we cannot have that again. We, that ends with us. Yeah, that ends with us. And we need Kane to be able to start doing that work. Um, it's hard. It's so hard. We're all traumatized, but kind of drawing on Dr. Sister, Heoli Osorio's pen of intimacies, we created as an aha an upena of care, an upena of aftercare of kuleana, where we could share that trauma, where we 
there's all these things against trauma bonding and whatnot. And I totally get it, but we're never not traumatized under settler colonialism and patriarchy. We, our bonds are never free of that right now, currently. And so as messy as those bonds were, they got less heavy. They got, the kuleana was less kamaha when we held it together. And I need the shoulders of Kane to come out and be like the Kane in our aha, to start and work with the mahu, work with us as mahu, to start detoxifying our society and our nation. Um, because that is the relationship between Haloa the Kalo and Haloa the person. I want you folks to remember um, that the Kalo was Noah. Yeah, I had a talk with my Akane about this. Um, and I asked him, you know, how come the Kalo is, was Noah? Why was it free? It wasn't, it wasn't um, under the restrictions, um, the, the eating restrictions that the Aikaku was there. He, he said like, I think it's because there was like a, a balancing that, that comes with the Kalo and the relationships that are coming with the Kalo and the rank of the Kalo above even the parents who produced Kalo. And I thought that was beautiful because for Mahu, we can start to think about ways in which the halo and haloa connection of older sibling, younger sibling, the care that comes with that can be a model for Mahu and Kane relationships that we can enact to support and empower Ho'omanawahine, uh, um, Papa and Ho'ohoku, but all the wahine in our, our nation. Um, and so I believe that that's, that, was a, that was a really big take for us as an aha. Um, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know a lot of times, like for me, like I'm like, you know, saying like, oh my gosh, come on, Connie, let's let's get us to, let's get us together. But but we we have we done we can and it's possible and it's done. You know, and and I I really really want to speak to my brothers out there, cis, trans, non-binary, whatnot. Let's work together. Let's do this. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so in conclusion. Um, with those things in mind, despite the trauma that we all face as Kya'i of Monakia, we nonetheless affirm as an aha that the Pumuhonoa was an emergent space. Oh, sorry, that's a Kuleana You know what, I want to do one more thing since we can just dwell on this image. Um, I, I haven't drawn in such a long time, so a lot of this stuff came out. Um, but this, 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 um, the Halo and Haloa connection actually is indebted to the work of Halemua Nakoa, um, the work of Pu'ukuhola. And I know that's strange for some folks, but those are my, my, my family um, and they're also my leaders. And they taught me about what it means to remember. Yeah, uh, Taika Vikatengan's Native Men Remain, what it means to remember. And what we did with the Aikapu story in Wakea, Papa and Ho'ohoku Kalani, was that we did remembering, this time for the Wahine and Wahu in the story. We remembered ourselves. And we took that Manakani approach to the Aikapu and to Wakea, and we did it for ourselves. So I want to also recognize that that body of knowledge also has a genealogy that ties into our, um, our, our power as Manawahine and um, Manawahu, Manamahu um, agendas. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, just dwell on this image. It's kind of fun. Um, anyway, in conclusion, um, Despite the trauma we all face as Kia'i of Monakia, we nonetheless affirm that the Puhonua is an emergent space where patriarchal relations could be decolonized and detoxified in prefigurative ways. Indeed, the establishment of the Puhonua herself was a gendered balance defense used to protect the protectors from the violence of the patriarchal settler state on Monakia. Elementally embodied as the ancestral Wahine Papahana Moku, 
Puuhulu Hulu was ritually transitioned by Lanakila Managuel into a Puuhonoa, and it was politically recognized as such by the Royal Order of Kamehameha. The Puuhonoa is thus our kauhale and our home, a powerful collaboration between Wahine, Mahu, and Kane to protect the Maung, the Lahui, and each other, a space where Wahine could escape violent relationships to fall in love with the mountain, where Mahu seeking a safe space to, to transition among our ancestral elements and gods, a place where Kane could disclose genealogies and cycles of abusive trauma inflicted by fathers, brothers, uncles, military. The people in the Bohonua who are still there, like Nakia Ipa'a, who continue to main, maintain that stand in Aloha. The people who continue to live at the Puuhonua and the people of the Puuhonua, Mauna Medics, the Kitchen, Logistics, Hale Ho'olako, Kapu'aloha Crew, Kanaka Rangers, the Walaka'a, Royal Order, Traffic Control, Puuhuluhuli University, and all of us contributed to creating a culture of care and aftercare, which is the future of our Lahui. We care for you all. We love you all. And we will love you again on the Mauna. <laughs> Oh, Papuka Mona Kea, eh, hola ika haleo mako. How mea kaaya, papa? Uli hia ke kapuala. How mea keaya, papa? Uli hia ke kapuala. How mea kapea, papa? Uli hia ke kapuala. How mea kaahua, papa? Uli hia ke kapuala. How mea ke opua, papa? Uli hia ke kapuala. How mea kapaya, papa? Uli hia ke kapuala. Okay, so we're here to uh, field questions. Mahalo, uh, Kahala, for um, your vulnerability, your ike, your fire, everything that just happened, uh, and the cup. Where did you get that? We all want to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> special all right um so we have you know like half hour for questions um so uh to kind of you know like order things um people can jump in in the chat if you want to drop your question in the chat and then we'll call on you to um, ask it verbally or comment verbally just so we have some organization because there are a lot of people here. Okay, so we can start. Hey, Alani, you can go ahead. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mahalo. Mahalo Kala for that um, very moving and inspiring presentation. Um, <clears throat> you know, an issue I have, I, I, I Mahalo you for bringing up the, uh, the idea, I mean, well, the problem we have in our Lahui with patriarchy. <clears throat> what I find happening as someone in the movement working with the community is that when leaders get a little bit of power, and I'm not saying all, right? And I'm not gonna pick out or um, name names. I'm just saying that we have a tendency to act just like the Haole colonizers that are oppressing our own people. So if you have, so, and I think that that seems to be widespread in our Lahui, you know, more than we think in terms of, you know, people are silenced, our Lahui is silenced, people who are, you know, don't have any power, there's no consensus, um, there's no transparency, 
you know, so it's like, I, I think you, it's a bigger problem than, than we realized, you know, especially with the violence of men in our, I mean, I've been attacked, I've been threatened, you know, um, by men in the movement. So this, this is like, and I'm thank you for bringing it up. It's not just something that happened on the Mauna, but it happens all over in our movement and it has to stop, you know, it really does. So, you know, how, I mean, and I like what you said that it's men that has to call them out and be there, you know, kind of hold them accountable for their actions. It has to be other men. So, you know, is there any other solutions you see to that? I mean, because other than calling these people out, these leaders, right? I mean, my gosh, you guys, you guys are, I mean, what, what, like, so what happened to all the money? Um, what happened to, um, um, what happened to consensus? What happened to not just, you know, where, where in the movement trying to um, gain back what was taken from us because we never consented to what the U.S. did to us, taking our lands, taking our culture, all of that. So why are we doing that to our own people? You know, we're acting just like them, you know? Well, that's just my manual. But any kind of other strategies you have? Yeah, um, I'm glad that you brought up consensus um, because consensus was um, something that we learned from Kilaho Fishura um, at Puhuluhulu University um, and later on um, in the Puhonoa. Um, and consensus is, a, um, for those who don't know, it's a decision-making process that, um, well, I, I'll give a contrast to that. One is um, voting, which is like 50%, and then you, you know, 50% say I, 50% say Aole, and then, you know, the Aole folks lose out. 50% are already lost out. So, you know, how that's really bad. <laughs> it's actually really bad politics. Um, and consensus is a way for folks to engage um, um, on a more equitable um, plane. Um, with Kuliana and, you know, Kulana also tended to um, within that. And consensus has been something that um, has really helped us to question how we, um, how a lot of decision-making is made in a very hierarchical, hierarchical and um, what do you call that? Stratified way, top, bottom. And that's very, that's very holy. Um, but at the same time, there are also um, ways that people legitimize hierarchy by turning to things like the couple. Um, without recognizing like, you know, the issues of non-consent there. Um, so I wanted to, you know, give a shout out to consensus, which is um, in my family, my, my, I'm so proud, like my moms and aunties and my, my dads and uncles are, they're, they're using consensus, which we learned from the Mauna and are using that in their stand um, to take back the land and reoccupy. Um, it's beautiful to watch. Um, my auntie and my, um, my mom are really uh, just, showing the leadership qualities they always had um, against a lot of patriarchs in our own family. So um, there, I think that's a, a good thing to think about is taking what we did in the Mana, but like doing it in our families, in our Ohana. Um, but also I think there's also, um, and, and you know, um, there's also the, the idea that we can't do it alone. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we did as an AHA, you know how AHA, AHA is like, like the um, like cordage, yeah. Um, which is used to make things like penna and braiding and whatnot. 
which makes kinks. Yeah, there's like little kinks and knots in Upena. And I'm drawing again on Dr. Osorio's Upena Venomacies, but there's little kinks in there. And so each of those kinks are held there with the aha. And we looked at those kinds of like vertices, like the, that, that pilina that connects each of the, the little knots in, in there to each other. And we thought about how gender relationships and gender balancing and carrying kuleana comes from that strength. And so issues of like Kane, in the, which happen all the time in our movement, and it's not just us, it's every movement for liberation has almost always had this, this problem, yeah. Um, it's Kane calling out and calling in other Kane, you know, um, saying that you're, you're, this is your, what's wrong with your behavior. Um, and here's ways that you can correct it and you need to correct it. Here I am to help you. How, what can we do to work with that together? It might take a while. Um, I'll be there with you through that. It's that internally Kane having those, those discussions and call outs and call ins with each other, but it's also working horizontally. Kane, um, they, they don't really know like, like what and Mahu issues, like they're, they're, they're oftentimes very focused on the very necessary work of recovering Kane and Manakan, yeah, um, and their identities. But they don't I, don't, I don't think they understand that to do that means that you actually have to be in relationship. Kane are not, Kane and the leadership of Kane can never be without the leadership Mana, Ea, and Ola of Wahine and Mahu. Like that kink that's held together with the, the, the aha. Um, that's, that's just how it is. We were all born together as Wahine, Mahu, and Kane. That's all of us as a nation. You can't just be, you know, Kane in ourselves, you know, and whatnot. Uh, and, and a lot of times they'll turn to like the Halimoa and the gender division. And again, it goes back to Aikapu gender-based socializations over hundreds of years, where we assumed that that was always the case. It wasn't. The Aikapu was something that was new. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was it's, there's a history there. Um, so I would say that is that, you know, in addition to consensus, it's also like, you know, the calling out and calling in of Kane to Kane. It's also Kane and working with Mahu and Wahine more in more significant ways, yeah. Um, because a lot of times it's, it's, there's a nervousness there because some of them may are, are con whether they're conscious of it or not, they understand that, that there's um, male supremacy, male privilege. Um, there's things that, 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 Kane do not have to deal with that Wahine and Mahu do. But sometimes I think they think that they're, they're gonna get blamed for that and put in with white men and, and settler men. Um, not realizing that your choices of either doing gen, you know, violence or not calling it out, calling it in, puts you there. Your choices put you there. Um, and so I think what it, did, it, it, it does is we, we have to have those conversations to, as Mahu, and a Wahine, I, I'll say this as a Mahu, Wahine have already had to, Deal with a lot of that and I'll continue to deal with that Kane horizontal violence. So Mahu too, but I think that's part of what aloha is and vulnerability is trying to find the trust um, and, and relation creating good relations between Mahu and Kane, Wahine and Kane, um, where they can start to see some of the um, the things that they 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 don't, they don't have to deal with because Mahu do and Wahine do. And by becoming more informed of that. Um, and work and really working as on the alongside and um, taking direction from Wahine and Mahu. I, that's that's that that kinky pain pleasure thing. It's painful, but there's a pleasure in doing that kuleana and carrying that kuleana. Yeah. So I think those three things for now. It's 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 kind of strapped in for the long run, but 
But those three things, yeah, for now. Uh, we have some comments in the chat from um, Maria Lohalani Brown. Oh, I just wanted to make a comment. In my research, sexual relations between a parent and their child is usually frowned upon and highly criticized. While it's true that sexual relations may occur between an aunt and uncle and a nephew and niece, the general rule is if you raise that child, you do not have sexual relations with it when it grows up. And I found evidence that uh, Wakea is criticized about that. And he's kind of become an olelo no iao for when that happens. Um, you read my uh, manuscript on Mo'o, so you know that I touch upon that subject and I'm glad that you're taking it up, that the Aikapa was an arbitrary innovation to deceive Papa. And more importantly, in all of my research, I've never found any commentary at all on the mana'o of Ho'ohoku Kalani and how she felt. And that absence there, that silence speaks volumes. So I just want to thank you for everything that you said. I was part of your affinity group. Thank you for inviting me. And I was with you from the first day on the Mauna. So all of what you're telling, what you're truth telling um, is meaningful for me and I'm sure for everyone else. Thank you so much for all that you do, you and, and Noilani and Mahelani and, and uh, Kalani and everyone. Yeah, mahalo. That also reminds me, um, we also, um, you know, I, I heard from in a session with Uli Malang and Joy Anamura, Joy Anamura um, the telling of Wakian Ai Kapu is really traumatic for, for um, particularly for Wahine who have faced abuse by uncles and fathers and whatnot. And so, um, you know, that's also something too, like, yeah, it's the facts of the Mo'olelo. And I'm glad, thank you for, for pointing out that there's a Mo'olelo Mo'olelo talking about Wakia's behavior. Um, I think some, sometimes too, Connie, rather I'll say, I'll say this, sometimes our glossing over the Pi'o and Yo'o really doesn't think about how today, right? Like we face that kind of parent, um, parent and uncle kind of abuse yeah, in our families. And it's very prevalent. Um, and so it's being sensitive to that and not just being like, oh, you know, we're gonna excuse that um, because what it looks like to folks who have experienced that kind of violence is you're gonna excuse of the ancestor, you're gonna excuse the makua, you're gonna excuse the anakala. And, when it, when, and that means that if we try to fight against that, not only are we gonna have holiday patriarchy and its norms crushing off and silencing that, that, that um, refusal to consent to that, but now there's also a story that seems to excuse the behavior for today. So mahalo for bringing that up, um, Dr. Luhamani Brown. Um, yeah, painful. I, I don't think that story excuses it. It lays it out, yeah? When, when I teach that story, and I've been teaching that story every semester for five years, it's part of my section on, on, on origin stories and their value. It's, it's, it, for me, the story just explains it doesn't excuse it and get that gives us an opportunity to analyze what's being said what kind of voice what kind of nuances what's missing yeah i just wanted to to just reiterate that yeah it's still an important story <laughs> right but maybe even for more reasons than we realize because what can we say about a system called the i kapu that was in 
that had been practiced for so long that it was accorded a mythic origin. And some elements of, that, of those practices today are being picked and choose from by Kane, right? So when I hear Kane say, well, you're not allowed to learn how to carve ki'i, and I ask why? Well, because you're female. And then I hear that that, that person will allow mahu, and I'm thinking, okay, well, how do mahu feel about themselves? Are they male? Are they not? You know? And then it begs, it begs the question for that Kane in power to teach the carving of ki'i, well, do you eat at the same table with your wahine? So who gets to pick and choose? And I'll stop right there. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> it's that selective memory, right? Remembering. <laughs> um, I wanted to um, just, I know I'm, I'm in charge of the, the questions that went on, but I want to know if um, Noilani or Mahelani, if you folks have any um, any insights into just, you know, what, what was discussed, care culture. I mean, from Monomedic's perspective, perhaps. Aloha. Uh, I'm Noilani. Yes, uh, I, I have lots to say about this because, you know, it was really um, as uplifting as it was to be on the Mauna. It was also deeply painful. And Kahala's right. There is a lot of trauma. And, and there was a fair amount of silencing that happened too. But one of the remedies for that, one of the medicines was, um, was our relationships and the pilina that we built with one another um, on the Mauna. And I mean, even my relationship with my sister Mahia and with Kahala, um, the way that we took care of each other and held each other energetically and emotionally and spiritually really was a big part of um, our, our being able to, one, manage in a, in a crisis situation, but also to elevate and become better and stronger um, kanaka in that process where we could then go out to other folks and hold that same kind of space. So one of the things that we did with the medics was the Hale Kuka Kuka. And we had talk stories circles twice a day where folks could just come and share their mana'o. And, you know, we had, we had people share things like, oh, I saw my abuser on the Mauna, but I didn't say anything because kapu aloha. And we were, you know, we all had to take, we all gasped a little bit and said, that's not what kapu aloha means. You know, like, that's just not what kapu aloha means. Kapu aloha is about telling the truth and, and being in your, your power and your discipline. Um, not about shoving things down further. And so I, I feel like one of the things we can do going forward is to just create safe spaces, create brave spaces, as my sister says. She says there are no safe spaces, only brave spaces, but creating brave spaces in our own circles with our own ohana. And, um, you know, even with people who are a little more distance from us and, and create a situation where they feel okay to share what's in their na'al and to share what's in their pu'uvai without judgment and without shame, because you know shame is one of those things that we inherited in our colonial trauma. And when we shame each other, I mean, there's a place for it in our culture, it, it is cultural, but it's having discernment about <laughs> what we shame and when we shame. And I feel like one of the ways that we can um, uplift each other is to be present with each other without judgment and allow people to move the trauma that's been stored in their body. Because we hold on, we carry it from our kupuna and we carry it from our current 
situations that we're in that we're constantly being traumatized over. So just being able to have um, safety, create safety for each other is a really big part of that. And you'd be surprised, like even at Kaua'ula, for, with Kia'i Kaua'ula, um, when we were there every day, we would have a halavai every morning, just like we did with the medics on the Mona. And we give everybody an opportunity for their voice to be heard and to share their mana'o. And you'd be surprised, like we're so used to listening to certain voices and having, you know, like certain people always be the spokesperson for everything. But our people are so brilliant. Our, whether they have PhDs or, you know, any kind of letters after their name, our people are brilliant and deeply, deeply connected. And sometimes we just have to make spaces to listen to everybody and make sure that everyone's voice is uplifted. So especially the Kane, and you'd be surprised. They're like right at the surface. They're dying to share their pu'uvai. They've just been shamed for so long and told that it's not masculine and they have all that internalized racism and internalized patriarchy. And they're so afraid, but the more we normalize Kane feeling safe to express themselves. Like, please don't ever shame a man if he cries. Like, just don't do it. Let him, you know, it's unless he's a white man developer crying because he can't get land, then you can shame him. White man's tears. Yes, that's what that cup is about, Peter Martin. Anyways, really though, um, creating that space and holding holding each other accountable um, to holding up that space, I think is a really big part of how we move forward. Mahalo. Well, I see here, um, uh, Dr. Noyne Silva. Um, also, thank you, Dr. Noyne, for um, the tents and um, Aloha for the tents. We literally would have frozen and died without that. So, Mahalo um, Nui. Um, Noyne says, um, I've noticed in Mo'olau Kahiko, the Aikapu is not observed. Yeah. And they seem to take place, the Mo'olau seem to take place in pre Aikapu time or in another dimension. I love it. Um, I really want to think about those other dimensions. That's super cool. Um, yeah, and I think um, we had talks about like, oh, uh, Alohalani, yeah, talking about like how um, in the Pele saga, like you have women and men even together, like it's very pre I couple um, situation going on there. And so I, you know, I, and again, I, I, I wonder why we don't pull from that, right? Um, yeah. And many other ones. <laughs> Um, if I could, if I could um, respond a little bit, it's so good to see and hear you, Kahala. Um, I was just also, re I've been, I'm on sabbatical, so I've been reading a lot of different Mo'olelo, um, thank the Akua. Um, but so I just read Lonoi Kamakahiki, which is a really patriarchal story in a lot of senses, very mass macho kind of story. But they don't observe that Aikapu. Um, there and I just was. I'm also reading Kamakamahi'ai, and they don't observe the the aikapu there. So I think that that may present us with some interesting balance to, um, you know, to seeing that or to this this one like unitary view of our traditions, like that this is the way it was always. And so if our mo'olelo are showing us a different way, you know, that has a lot of possibilities for us. And I really love you folks' um, projects of restoring things and re, re mo'oleloing the mo'olelo. Um, that's what we, we uh, that's where our possibilities are for reimagining better 
not just decolonial, but our own resurgent future. So anyway, mahalo nui. I look forward to reading. I wish I could read this and, you know, sit with it um, a little bit longer. So hopefully one of these days, maybe you'll let me read the paper. Right. Okay.